Welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast, where we empower you with the answers to your burning questions to accelerate your career into the sports industry. We are your hosts, Melbourne-based sports administrators, Ruben Williams and Ryan Walker. Join us as we share unique and personal examples as well as relatable information and deliver them to you in bite-sized, fluff-free episodes. Want to swipe our signature framework to add awesome experience to your resume? Download our free ebook, Four Steps to Create Outstanding Work Experience in Sport, at sportsgrad.com.au. Now sit back, relax, enjoy the show, and don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any of our latest episodes released every Tuesday and Thursday. Hello and welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast. I'm Ryan Walker, and with me, as always, is the king of the sub four minute kilometer, Ruben Williams. How are you, Rubes? G'day, Ryan. Thank you for the introduction. Doing very well today. Keen to see you get in your lycra after we're done today. So, um, plenty of exercise going on between us, but thank you for that. Absolutely, mate. Your Strava numbers have been looking absolutely ridiculous. I think I actually told you the other night to just settle down and just to stop uploading because it's making us all look horrible. <laughs> um, but very well done to you. Thank uh, you. Not too much else to do in Melbourne lockdown. That's that's right, mate. And that's why I'm about to do laps around Albert Park Lake, you know, about 200 metres from the house and just the hour will do. So we'll, uh, we'll crack on. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Dollar Shave Club. Go to dollarshaveclub.com.au slash sportsgrad to get your first starter box for just $15 and $10 off your second delivery. It really is a cracker deal. Thank you so much to you, firstly, for being a part of the show today and by downloading and getting involved. We really appreciate it. Today, we are talking to Lena Staropoli about how to get outstanding global experience in the sports industry. If you're listening for the first time and thinking, what is this show? Who are these guys talking to me today? We are the Sports Grad Podcast, your bite-sized guide to enter the sports industry. I myself am a graduate of Notre Dame, Australia in Perth. Ruben is a graduate of Deakin University in Melbourne. A few years back, we both made the jump into working at Cricket Australia together, and now our aim is to help you do the same in whatever way, shape, or form that may be in the sports industry. Now, on to our special guest for today, Lena Staropoli. Lena has some of the best and most vast experience from a guest we've had on the Sports Grab podcast so far, and has spent the last 12 years in both Australian and US sports industries, managing commercial partnerships and a very, various other roles as well. She's held roles within Swimming Australia, Bowls Victoria, the MLS, and now Cricket Australia. Lena is not only an experienced operator, but also a very dear colleague of mine. Lena, welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast. Wow, thank you so much. That's uh, that's quite the intro. I'm uh, I'm almost tapping myself on the back. So uh, thanks, guys. I'm it, uh, really happy to join you. I thought it fit the bill quite nicely. We obviously need to get all your experience out on the table for this episode. It's been one we've been looking forward to doing for some time, Rubes. Um, so very exciting. Lena, you are a, a colleague of ours at Cricket Australia, or former colleague for myself. You're also the person who introduced Ryan to the commercial team. Can you tell us about the first impression he made on you when he went in for his secondment interview? Um, oh, geez, I'm not sure if that's um, fit to be podcasted but um i think <laughs> no he um he made a great impression i think in the in the interview process he was um he's a bit nervous as we all are in interviews but um he was uh he was uh really uh, relaxed in his answers like he really you know shone through what he was out to create for his career and why this was going to be a really good um 
opportunity for him. Um, I must say, though, and we joke about this now, but um, the first look at his resume and I thought, geez, this kid needs our help. So it's best to be fun for now. It was a, a pity hire. <laughs> I'll, well, I'll no. Lena, Lena actually told me that is one of, and I think I'll be fine in saying this, but Lena actually told me that my resume is one of the worst that she's seen. Um, but I think that, yeah, that says a lot really. And I, I was quick to work yeah. change that. Uh, so I've since mm. made some appropriate changes, but I guess. It's a good thing you can talk. Yeah, I guess that's, I guess <laughs> I, I must have interviewed okay. Um, but there you go. So. <laughs> Well, I think that's the that's the beauty of the interview, right? Your um your true character and personality can come through, and I think that was that was where the real connection was, and the and um, for us we could see that you'd be a really great fit for the team. And um, you talked about how being really keen to learn and and eager. And um, to your credit, as soon as you got that feedback on your CV, even though you got the job, you quickly went and updated it. And uh, I remember you know, coming back and chatting to you about it. He's like, look, I've changed it. Is this better? And I was like, mate, you got the job. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but it really just showed that, you know, that he takes that feedback and is like always looking for how he's going to improve and how he's going to progress his career. And, and that came through in, in the interview and in our conversation. So it got him over the line. Yeah. We could do an entire episode on oh, right. Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we have done that, Rose. It's it's rating we quite have highly. Actually, yeah. So, uh, I think so. Anyway, <laughs> it's, it is rating quite high. Enough about me. This is uh, about Lena today. So I'm going to start with a, a real conversation starter, um, and that is what has been sort of the biggest influence on your career in sport so far. Wow, that's a. You're starting with the the hard questions. I feel like I'm on 60 Minutes all of a sudden. <laughs> um, look, I think it's really easy to look back. Um, you don't really realise it as you're going through it at the time, but um, there's probably two really key turning points um, in my career. And the first one was um, making the choice to, to complete the FIFA Masters and go overseas um, to, to do my Masters. And if you ask me now and I look back and I was like, yeah, it was like this sense of adventure and I wanted to travel overseas and, I, you know, I wanted to do something different and stand out from the crowd. But at the time, uh, you know, I was in my, my late 20s. I, I was working full time. Um, I, I could have very easily just kept doing what I was doing. Uh, and I, I don't actually know what, what it was that spurred me. It was at the time, there's probably a hundred different things, but it was just this sense that there was something more to discover. There was just something there. And, um, I probably, I can't put it in words now. I probably couldn't back then. Um, but that was for me a, a real turning point. I spent 12 months overseas. Um, the masters was, um, intense. It was a, a intense 10 week, uh, sorry, 10 month program three universities in the, you know, in Europe. And I think, you know, we can talk about that a bit later, but um, it's, uh, I met, you know, 29 other people from around the world who are my closest and dearest friends and spread out across uh, internationally across the sports industry. And um, I, I just, I got to go to the world cup and go behind the scenes at Manchester United. There were all these little things that at the time were just like, oh, I've got to get up early to get on the bus to go to Manchester United. That sucks. And then I look back now, I was like, I went to Old Trafford. <laughs> I went to the, you know, the um, the BCI, uh, in the uh, it's a 
cycling, um, head of cycling in Lausanne. That's this massive complex with a velodrome and a BMX track at the foot of the Alps. Like it blew my mind, you know, and I was annoyed because, you know, it was a 5 a.m. start to get out there at the time. <laughs> you know, it's like we'd just Bugger. been out the night before enjoying, uh, enjoying all of Swiss hospitality. It's like, why do I have to be up and on a bus? I just, I want to be curled up in bed. But, um, those experiences sit with me now, um, as, you know, some of the best life experiences and also the turning point for me because it exposed me to so, so many different cultures. Yes, but just ways of operating. Um, so I always look back on that and I, I draw on the experiences of those um, friends and alumni, um, you know, every day. And we always used to joke while we were, um, while we were in class, uh, cause, you know, when you're at uni, things get a little bit less focused on the study sometimes and you, you tend to go out and enjoy the town a little bit and, you know, <laughs> the early hours of the morning sometimes we'd joke and we'd say, you know, one day you're probably going to be, you know, the head of, no, we used to joke and say, you're going to be the head of FIFA one day and you're going to ask me to come in and do a guest lecture and I'm going to tell all your colleagues about this <laughs> night. <laughs> You know, I'm going to tell people that you fell into the bushes at 3 a.m. And uh, you know what? We we do uh, support each other, you know, where we can, and and you know, do things like this and, and lectures. And um, but thankfully to date, everyone's been really professional, and it's probably forgotten to be honest because it's 15 years ago now. But um, so look, that was that was probably a key moment. And then the other one um, for me personally and professionally was. Uh, my time at MLS and, and moving to New York. And um, on the CV, it looks fantastic and it's, you know, this great experience and it absolutely was. But when I think about that period, I think about my own personal growth and what it took for me um, to really make the most of that um, that opportunity. And it, I tell you now, it didn't come naturally. It was a hard slog early on, you know, and um, to give everyone context, you know, you know, I, I grew up, um, you know, my, my parents are Italian migrants. Um, I grew up in the western suburbs of Melbourne. No one in my family really likes sport. Um, you know, sometimes the TV gets turned off when the when the news goes to the sports section, and um, I just found this love of it through school and my friends. And um, you know, it just it didn't wasn't something that was organic in our family or a, a career path or anything like that. So. Um, Ending up in New York, you know, I used to pinch myself all the time, but it, it also took something for me to be able to realise who I needed to be to make the most of that situation. And then doing that around work opened it up in every other area of my life. So um, I'm, I'm grateful for that experience in its entirety because I, I just grew as a human uh, as a result. And you're not wrong about some of your colleagues. One of your colleagues didn't end up being the head of the African confederation for football so that gives you a sense of the caliber of people coming out of the fifa masters alongside lena um (laughs) (laughs) you mentioned your time in new york at major league soccer being a significant part of your career journey can you share some of the things that you did outside of work uh to shift from an intern into an account manager role yes i mean outside of work aside from um you know, having to work uh, some part-time jobs to supplement my income. It's very expensive living in New York on a on a uh, intern stipend. Um, I think I was getting $1,500 a month and 1200 of that was my rent. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a challenging few months. So I spent my weekends um, 
helping friends at who had a catering business and things like that, just trying to make some extra cash, which was, it was, it was, you know, tough going, but it was also a lot of fun. And I got to meet a lot of different people outside of um, just work, which when you move to a new city is one of the big challenges, right? That your whole life and focus is around the people that you're working with every day. And that, that can be, um, can be challenging, especially when you're on tour with them and then you're not seeing really anyone else um, outside of that. Um, I think the, the main thing that I learnt and I had to challenge myself to do outside of kind of the work hours uh, was um, build my network and really nurture it and, and not just around sport but just generally um, that network around um, new opportunities, around agencies, around, uh, ad, you know, people in advertising and media sales just to get a sense of the different dynamics that contribute to the sports industry because it's not just a, it's not just sponsorships and it's not just um, major event operations, right? There's a lot of different areas that contribute to that, and um, you know that to me just created more opportunity for trying to figure out what the next step was going to be for me. Just understanding the landscape, so you know, I, it stands out to me as the one thing I had to do kind of outside of work and learning about sponsorship and you know building presentations and pitching. The networking piece in terms of my career development was key and uh, I, I wasn't very good at it. It's still a, a challenge for me today, although, you know, 15 years later I'm probably a bit, a bit better at it um, and Ryan will attest to it. I bang on about it constantly because it doesn't always come naturally to a lot of people and especially a lot of people in sport I find are in sport because they're so passionate about and they love the game or, you know, sports in general um, that this – this really important um, skill is gets a bit lost along the way because you, you kind of take it on as a passion and then if oh, I don't really I don't really know if I want to go in that direction because I don't really care too much about it. it becomes a motive rather than what's the best career progression for you you know I spent a lot of time I did a lot of um, sort of personal development work around building my confidence about my communication uh, and how I was able to articulate what I needed. Uh, from someone when I was was making an ask because, uh, you know, you'll find from this podcast I can probably talk very easily and for, for long periods of time. But when it came to really making a request of someone, um, can you have a coffee with me or can you tell me a little bit about this in- industry because I'm interested to get in it, I would freeze up or, um, you know, it would I couldn't I couldn't construct an email, you know, I can write an entire pitch deck but I can't put two sentences together to write an email to request someone have a coffee with me. Um, and that was a lot about confidence. It was about not wanting to be uh, seem like I can't do it myself and, you know, there's a level of vulnerability there. And, you know, that's not stuff that you learn in, in school and uh, at, at uni. It's all about, you know, writing better or getting your point across that if you can master those elements outside of work where, you can look within and say, you know, here's where I'm probably lacking a bit of confidence or lacking, um, you know, I don't feel great talking to this person. Why is that? And look within. Uh, you can find those areas for yourself to work on and and seek out um, programs or, um, you know, books or whatever it is that you need to kind of just build yourself up in that space. And, you know, that's something that you've, each person has to find for themselves, I think. It's not something that you can do a a uni degree on it. I mean, your uni course will instigate that question for you because it'll bring up things that are easy to do 
and some that are not so easy to do and can be challenging. And if you look at those challenges and look within yourself and say, okay, why, it, you know, it can't be that hard. <laughs> People are doing it. What's, what's there for me? You know, that next layer down. And that's where you can, where I found that where I went to work in that area, it, um, it improved my uh, whole approach to my job and the people around me and to building and to building that network. And, you know, as I said, I'm a lot better at it, but it is a conscious, conscious work in progress for me uh, to make sure that um, not only am I nurturing my network, that now I'm at a, in a position where I can give back and support other people, um, which comes a lot easier when it's not so much about you. Uh, but to be able to do that, you still need to be progressing and developing yourself to be able to give back. So. I think it's fantastic that you acknowledge that this is something that actually takes some time and work to be able to clearly articulate because a lot of people focus on gaining experience or developing other different areas, but there are some small different areas that you do need to really um, equip yourself with to be able to take your career forward. So I think for someone of your caliber and experience to be able to acknowledge that this is something that will genuinely help you and does take time and effort, even though it may seem that it should come naturally, um, is very useful for a lot of people out there who are looking for different things to work on at the moment. Two key things from that answer just then, and I've, I've heard them before but just want to call them out, is number one was nurturing your network, but second of all was um, sort of ha- approaching networking with an ask. And I know you, you've we've spoken a lot about sort of whenever you are networking, having an ask, and we've spoken about it on this podcast a number of times now. But maybe if you could just share sort of, What's the time? Why is it so important to have an ask when when you are networking with people? Um, I think it's firstly just respectful of that person's time um, because we're not just meeting for a coffee just to to hang out. You know, um, I could do that with my mates. Uh, you've made a request of me for for my time, so I'm, I I want to give it to you and I want to offer you as much as I can. Um, so come prepared and. Um, and come ready to get as much information from that sort of usually 30 minutes as you can. And, you know, network part of the networking piece, if you are looking for work, is um, leaving an impression on someone. They may not have a job for you at that time, but if they can remember you when, when they've got a position open, uh, that's half the battle, right? You're not in that mix of 300 people that have applied. And they don't need to remember you because you're this outlandish personality and you, you know, walk in in an orange suit. It's they're remembering you for your preparation, for the insightfulness of your question. And you're someone that I want to work with because you're respecting my time and my um, experience and, and my history by uh, coming ready with your ask. There's, there's no delusion for me when someone sends me a message and says, we want to meet you for coffee, that you don't need something or you don't want something. And that's totally okay. That's absolutely fine. Um, how you then treat that 30 minutes, um, is, is more, uh, more, speaks more to your character, I think, and, and how you're going to be in my team should, you know, should I need to hire you? So you do yourself a disservice if you're not going prepared. And a lot of that, a lot of the reason for me that often I wasn't prepared is because I didn't want to deal with myself in having to ask someone for something. So if something comes up for you, it might be different, just just have a look at that. It's like what's holding you back to actually making that request? Now, you know, and it takes practice. There's, you come out of some meetings, you're like, oh, geez, maybe I was a bit 
too forward in that. Maybe I was a bit too, you know, give me a job now. Um, so you've got to find that right balance and that, that just takes practice and it takes being open to feedback and, and asking for feedback after that, that meeting as well. We've spoken at length and I think many times, in fact, about how important it is to, to really focus on your personal brand and development. What are a couple of things that young professionals today can do to really build their personal brand but before they're, they're trying to launch their career in sport? Um, I think you, you've got to start at, at some point. And, you know, I tell you this now as a, you know, 40 something person having been in the industry 20 odd years, but, um, if you can in, in your twenties, take that time out, uh, and be really, um, clear in defining who you are and what your values are. Now, they don't need to be set in concrete because they're going to evolve with you as you grow up and as you develop and as you take on different life experiences, right? But I think if you can start with a base about um, what your value that what your values are and, and who you want to be, um, when the world challenges you and sometimes you get thrown off course and you get stressed and whatever, you've got something to go back to, right? And and they they also steer you, you know, that that inner that time to look in invert inwards and reflect. Um, kind of keep, keeps you grounded and it steers you through and helps you navigate through all that, um, you know, all the challenges that come up. You know, if you miss out on a job that you really wanted and thought you'd be a good fit, uh, if you get stuck with um, a boss or a colleague that is not a great fit for your personality uh, or if you get overlooked for a promotion or anything like that, that's going to come at you in life. And if you have a core sense of self that you can go back to. And for me, it's, it's two or three lines in a book. You know, it's, it's a wrinkled up piece of paper and it's, it's changed and it's evolved. But when I, when I feel a little off course, uh, that's, that's what I go back to. And if you've got that as your, your starting point, you can build off that and you can look at your skill set. Um, and for me, and you, you've heard me harping on about this a million times. Um, your skill set can develop, but at the core of that, I think you've just got to operate with integrity. And that's not, it's not about, you know, you know, not cheating anyone out when you're doing million dollar deals or not stealing money. I mean, it is absolutely, but it's also about respecting timelines, um, being in communication when you're not going to hit a timeline and just respecting your fact that if you don't do something and it's going to impact your colleagues and the people around you. And why for me that's so valuable is because you're always part, you're always part of a core team unit, no matter what you're doing. You know, even if you're working for tennis, you're still part of a team, right? Even if you're part of a running, you know, people that are running individually, you're still part of a team building that out. And if you can master that accountability and that operating at a day to day level with integrity, A, you sleep better at night, believe me. And then, um, two, you, leave uh, the people around you uh, with that understanding of you of someone that they can rely on and that is going to contribute to the team. And I, I think personally that progresses your career so much further uh, long term than, you know, trying to fight and jostle and, and, you know, trying to claw your way to the top because there's no fulfilment I find when you get there and you've probably destroyed a sport and a, and a, a team along the way um, so for me, uh, they're the, they're the, the core things. Um, having a, 
having stopping and looking and creating uh, your own value system and continuing to look back on that and evolve it as you evolve and really uh, operating with with integrity and um, just honoring your word because that's that's your brand that's ultimately um, you know I can tell you a hundred different stories about um, what brand leaner is brand leaner's changed probably 50 times over the the last 15 years but um, I would hope that most people that have worked with me or have, have dealt with me will say to you that um, team player likes to have a bit of fun sometimes uh, and you know operates uh, with a level of accountability and, and integrity that's really valuable um, so I may not be a CEO yet or I may not be have a great title um, but you don't need a title to be a leader and uh, you, you don't you know you don't need to have a cachet of you know all these great you know experiences and stories if they're empty because you've had to kind of step on people along the way so it's probably not your traditional definition of brand but I think there's there's something to look at internally when you're creating your own brand and once you know what that is, it will come out organically in how you approach life because that's going to be your, your base. And you can add things, you can add, you know, storyteller and joke teller and sense of humour and, you know, sometimes you need to walk in a room and you need to light up that room. Uh, but you need to know that. But that's that's a temporary thing. That's not part of your overarching brand. Your brand is going to be that person knows how to communicate to whatever audience right? So sometimes it needs that person that comes in, walks into a hospitality area, sees it's a bit flat and picks up the picks up the vibe. Sometimes it's the person that walks into a, the boardroom, that person's not, you know, that vibrant person's not needed. The person that listens and um, can understand what, what the concern is for the people in the room and can come up with um, solutions or uh, be accountable for, you know, finding a solution is what's needed. So, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, being a, you know, having a, your, your brand be about certain skills is probably for me not as valuable as um, having re- a real understanding for yourself of what your values are and then letting that inform who you're going to be in the world. I really liked what you said about letting that come out organically because I think there can be a um, tendency to focus on some of the 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 fan folk the fan facing uh, touch points so to speak um, but I, I really liked how what you meant said about you know if you get it right internally that's going to come out organically so I think that's terrific advice um, I want to go right back to the start of your journey in sport where you completed a bachelor of arts at the University of Melbourne f- before taking on a graduate diploma in sport and recreation management was there a time that it clicked for you that you uh, wanted to work in sport um. Yeah, look, I think it was it was probably between my arts degree <clears throat> and my um, my grad dip. Um, there was a moment of of panic when I finished my arts degree because I, I majored in in cinema studies and women's studies, which was fantastic for me. And um, you know, it was a it was a really eye opening experience for me to just have that opportunity at uni just to learn and to learn about politics and. Um, history, which were always interests of mine, but never anything that I could spend time just exploring and, um, you know, discovering feminism and the history around the women's movement was, was fantastic for me. Um, 
then I got my degree and we had a big party and then I didn't have a job. So it dawned on me that I had to specialise, like what was I going to do? And I'd actually started a uh, graduate diploma in communications, I think it was. Um, and for me, it was just a bit dry. I'd always kind of aspired to go into journalism for no other reason other than I thought it would be cool and I thought I liked to write. And then after three years of uni, I realised I don't like writing to a deadline uh, because I'm one of those people that, although I do all my research early, I don't sit down and write until the night before the paper was due or sometimes the morning of, um, which was fine. It was a fine strategy and it worked for me for three years. But when I thought, I was like, I can't do this for the rest of my life and am I going to change that? Because I had tried many times to sit down, uh, you know, a week early and start writing my papers and it just wouldn't come. But the night before I could just sit there and all of a sudden be inspired. Um, there's probably nothing helpful in that. Please don't do that or take that on in your own uh, university degrees. But it, it worked for me at the time, but I realised it wasn't sustainable. And um, I also didn't get into the journalism postgrad course. I tried to get into journalism at RMIT and it was, you know, a thousand people in this lecture theatre and um, I, I just I couldn't get in. Uh, so I thought, what's the, the next best thing that I loved? And it was sport. I was playing soccer at the time, um, not at any great level, but I was, you know, part of the part of a club and I could see how much people loved sport and I could see the contribution it was making to me um, and I you know I loved watching footy and you know I loved watching cricket and that's really strange for a you know again an Italian girl from the western suburbs to sit for entire days and watch test matches test matches was unheard of um, you know I was the butt of many jokes of my friends but I really I loved it I loved the strategy about it I loved watching people um, get together at the G, um, you know, I, I can still remember because I'm that old uh, as a youngster watching the people in Bay 13 and just thinking it was hilarious. It's like one day, uh, you know, I, I want to go there. I want to be part of that. Not sure why, sit with a bunch of drunk hooligans, but it was just that I think that sense of community around everyone getting together. So um, I think that the need to uh, find a job and, and specialise was the catalyst for going, okay, what do I really enjoy and what, what do you think um, I could sustain long-term? And, um, you know, thankfully there was the grad dip at, um, at VU, uh, which, which was great. It just gave me some, some grounding into the sports business and, um, you know, had to, had to help me start thinking about where I was going to work after even I finished that. And um, so that, that was kind of the, the segue into the last 20-odd years. <laughs> Very nice. And can obviously we spoke earlier around the the FIFA International Masters course. Can you yeah. talk to us through sort of how you secured a spot in that program and some of the things that that it taught you along the way? Um, so I was I was actually just uh, looking online trying to figure out. I, I was um, where was I working? I was at the Lawn Bowls Association at the time, and it was great. It was a great uh, organisation. I, I loved working there. Um, I was in a development role um, trying to build, uh, you know, build the sport through development programs and um, I'd been doing that for a while out of uni. I, I did that at, at Lawn Bowls. I worked at the South Yarra Sports Centre doing sort of dry area member programs. I worked in aged care doing leisure programs for the elderly just to keep them active. Um, 
but there was part of me that wanted to move or wanted to explore this commercial side. So I, I could see it happening at the elite level and I just didn't know um, how to break in there. So um, I'd thought about going back to uni and, and doing a master's program. So I was um, just playing around online uh, back then. We used to have dial-up back then, so it, it took a lot longer to go between pages. And uh, this ad came up for the for the FIFA Masters, and initially I thought it was a scam. <laughs> I thought it was this like international program, send your money in. I was like, okay, this this looks a bit dodge. Um, but then I, you know, read a bit more about it, and I sent an inquiry off, and they they posted me out a brochure, which was which was interesting. Uh, I got a brochure in the mail, and um, it just kept. It just kept speaking to me about, you know, this opportunity to study overseas and I'd been overseas at that point and travelled but the opportunity to go back now and spend a year over there was um, was probably the main the main catalyst for it. Um, that said, no great decision is made without any level of angst and I stewed over it and over it and um, filled out my application because you had to write a bunch of essays I stressed about how I was going to tell my parents. Uh, look, there's a, a 50,000 emotions uh, during this period. And true to form, like my university degrees, I left it to the last possible minute um, to, to send the application in. I had to express post it to Switzerland. It cost me, it felt like an astronomical sum of maybe $10 or $15 uh, so I could make the deadline because you had to you had to collate a series of um, essays and um you know, they set some questions for you. So it was a printout. You had to print like three versions and, you know, it was all, this is, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago, so 15 years ago. So uh, it feels so archaic now when you talk about having to post things. But, uh, yeah, I, so I, that was that was the process. Um, it's uh, 30 people are selected from around the world. Um, it's, it's now, I think, the third... Uh, rated third in the world for sports business programs. I might be over exaggerating that a little bit, but um, it's it's in its twentieth, uh, twenty uh, or twenty first ed- edition uh, at the moment, and I was the sixth edition, so the sixth um, year of that program. So it's um, it's grown phenomenally, and the 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 key coming out of that was just this amazing international network um, and not only people in my class who, you know, I love like my brothers and sisters, um, it's also the people of the years before and the years after and, you know, every every uh, year around kind of July when the graduating class is finishing up, I get a rush of LinkedIn messages or Facebook connects um, of the network just expanding and I love it. I accept all of them. Um, there's There's more and more coming back to Australia, I think, there's probably about, um, I'm going to get this wrong, but 15 or 20 of us now working either in Australia or in Asia. Uh, got a little WhatsApp group. And I've probably met maybe four or five of them as as our worlds have connected. Um, but we, we have a WhatsApp group, just keep each other in the loop. Uh, I know about some people's, you know, families and life experiences that I've not actually ever met in person, but that's the strength of um, of this network. So, uh, that that was my that was you know one of the great takeaways of that program, um, and just for me the opportunity to go to to a World Cup it, it coincided with the World Cup in Germany the end of my um, program in two thousand and six and it blew my mind. Um, I've I've 
I haven't been to one since, which is unfortunate because once I went to the World Cup, I was like, that's it. I'm going to every World Cup here on in. And then, you know, life gets in the way and <laughs> it's hard to go from there. But yeah, that was, that was the, that was the process. Um, I, look, there's other things in the way, like they, you have to call and do a phone interview at the time. It'd probably be a video interview now. I'm not sure. It's probably changed a significant way, but, um, it's, it's, um, you know, not to, not that I want to toot my own horn, but it's selection based. And, uh, when I applied, there was probably a hundred or 150 applicants. Um, I think there's probably triple that now and, uh, they still only select 30. Uh, and I think our class was even 27 because, um, they wanted 30, you know, 30 is the limit, but it's, it, they wanted quality, uh, applicants and, and people that were going to, um, be able to make the most of, of this uh, program. So uh, it's a bit flattering uh, to make the cut. Uh, but you're right, I, I am now, um, you know, uh, Armour was fantastic, uh, bless his heart. He's, um, he's actually passed away now, but he was the uh, head of the uh, Confederation for, for African Football. Um, my, my best friend uh, and just wonderful human being, Anya's um, the head of legal for Sports Radar now, but was um, the CEO of the anti-doping network in um, Germany uh, for for many years after our, our graduate program. So I could, for I those could list who more. have been listening, to, for those who have watched the uh, the original series of Sports Grad uh, videos on YouTube, Anya actually features in that, which was um, all arranged by Lena. So thank you for <laughs> arranging Anya's interview. Yeah, you <laughs> live from Munich as well. Uh, you should get her on this podcast. She's far more eloquent and intelligent than I am. But, um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, I mean, I could list off all of them in terms of the impact that they've had on my life and, and what they're doing now. And, you know, some of them have moved into marketing roles. Um, my friend Mega in the States uh, works uh, in marketing for a, for a global um, flooring company now. She's, she's not in sport directly, uh, but she's in the, the, a job that she loves and, um, you know, she got that opportunity coming out of the FIFA Masters and really kind of um, defining, you know, what she wanted to do and where her focus was going to be. So, um, yeah, some, we can do a whole uh, other podcast on it. Some some stats on the the FIFA Masters program I've I've just seen here um, that's just come across my desk um, from the producer is ninety percent of uh, of the five hundred FIFA Master graduates are now working in the industry, and mm. also note that. Obviously, a number of organisations these um, these graduates work for, but one Manchester City is listed there. So perhaps um, Lena no may be the ticket guy. to me winning the Dream Guest contest. But <laughs> anyway, but for those listening who are interested in that program, the deadline has actually passed. It was January 2020, so we've just missed that. But um, obviously, check it out for those who, who would be interested in that one. Yeah, I think that the only thing to add to that was that the the FIFA Masters was um, the catalyst for me getting the internship um, at MLS because that program um, was built uh, by a couple of uh, alumni there and they had graduated and were working in, in senior roles um, in with Major League Soccer and Soccer United Marketing and had created an intern program that would be specific to the FIFA Masters and it had sold it into to MLS as this great opportunity to bring in uh, some global talent um, and that that was the my foot in the door. Uh, I probably wouldn't have otherwise known how to even contemplate doing an internship in the States. It was far beyond me and 
you know, I forgot to mention as well, I was 30 years old by the time I got to that point uh, where I was doing the internship at MLS. So it was, I'd kind of moved past understanding internships and, and the like. So um, it's probably a good time for me. It was perfect timing for me. But, you know, for your listeners, if you can get started a little early, earlier, it's probably, <laughs> it's probably helpful as well. Uh, but don't be afraid to take those opportunities whenever they come up, not, no, no matter how old you are. Definitely. I think yourself and even Carlo Kasparian from the Football Federation Australia, who we spoke to the other week, he mentioned that he was volunteering at Chelsea Football Club when he was 29 years old. So um, I think impatience is uh, the key here. Oh, sorry, patience. Don't be impatient. Don't be impatient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it comes back to when you start to do that work about defining your values and where you want to go, It always, even though you might divert into other areas, it always chips away at you. If you've had a look and you've, you've made that connection, even though you try and ignore it, it always, it chips away at you and and you decide if you're going to take an action that's going to lead toward that or not. Um, but I think the first key is defining it. And then, you know, those, those opportunities will, uh, will eventually uh, open up. Lena, you've worked across multiple sporting organisations. Is there anything that stands out to you as something that's consistent across work in all all sport? Probably the lack of funding and available resources <laughs> to do what you want. And I think my my friends at the NFL would probably say the same thing, even though that you feel like they would be drowning in money. There never seems to be enough money to do what you want activation-wise um, and, and implementation-wise. Um, certainly never enough money for the pay rises that we all want. And need. <laughs> um, uh, look, I don't know if it's specific to the industry, but I think it, it always feels like you're um, in whatever sport I've, I've worked in. it. And I worked in Formula One, which, um, you know, we we're on the Infinity Red Bull Racing sponsorship, which was quite lucrative. But you're always working with really tight budgets to try and get the most out of what your activation is, right? When you're in an industry well, especially for me uh, working on the commercial side where return on investment is key, you don't want to put, you don't want your investment to go through the roof because then your return has to also be sort of 10 times that amount. So um, you're always kind of chasing that return and trying to condense your budgets to get the most out of them to get the biggest bang and the biggest impact. So um, I feel like that is, is probably um, the, the, main, the main consistency. The other one I would say, and I, and I don't mean this as a negative, is um, there's not always the best people in the in the best roles. It's not you don't it's not a it's not a democracy or it's not this utopian industry where you've got all the right people working in the in the right roles. And I think more so in sport because it's so passion based. And um, you know I can't speak to other industries. I'm making a grand assumption, but for me it feels sometimes it's so t- so much more tied to people's identity working in a particular sport, that it sometimes um, skews that ability to be creative and innovative and challenge the norm and, um, you know, do things a little bit differently. And I think that was what's so refreshing about Big Bash and this whole remit to do things differently, really let everyone kind of be unshackled and and go after, you know, something that didn't exist. And it, it reinvigorated um, not just cricket, but people working in cricket. And I think some of the other sports, uh, again, I'm generalising and I don't want to offend anyone, um, you, you probably find that it's harder to, to break through, harder to break in, and it's harder to really affect change 
um, because there's, um, you know, you, you don't always have inspirational leaders. Um, you know, you don't always have uh, people that uh, can, can change and flex uh, as the sport needs it to um, because the sport itself, you know, I mean, cricket hasn't really changed in a hundred odd years other than sort of T20, but the business around cricket has changed dramatically and the businesses and the people within it have had to adjust with that. And that can be really challenging. Um, so I find within sport in general, uh, that capacity for change can really, it can be awesome in some places and not so great in others. And it, and it's, um, it's probably, I think, unique to the industry. You have basically you've worked across um, the the BBL and WBL commercial program for probably the last nearly four years now, um, and now this year you, you've got more of a, an international cricket focus. Um, you've got a brand new naming parts. What am I saying here? Naming rights partner in Vodafone um, coming on board. Can you chat us through your role uh, for listeners at, at home and? Perhaps just mention some of the the biggest challenges and, and and wins you've had so far. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the the biggest win um, for me was just the experience on working on on BBL and, and WBBL twofolds. I think Big Bash as a product lends itself to what we said before to be creative and innovate, innovative and um, you know kind of break break away from the sh- the shackles of traditional cricket, which is not a bad thing. Traditional cricket's awesome, uh, but again, when you're trying to grow the business and 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 the sport, that sent that ability to break away and um, try something different. And I, I mean, I can't take much credit for that. It was happening before I arrived, but to be part of that commercial program uh, and work with the likes of you know KFC and and you know Zupa Dupa were fantastic, and, and Wrigley's and and you know Rebel in trying to. Um, do things a little bit different and introduce new things to the fan experience um, was was really a, a high point for me um, and it and I think not just because of the end product uh, it was more the what it required of me uh, behind the scenes to get things over the line so you know last year we had the KFC food truck at events you, you can't imagine how hard it is to get a food related activation into a stadium um, because no one thinks about all the catering agreements that are in place, all the food safety elements. Um, you know, having a propane gas bottle on a truck is is a massive issue. Like these are the little intricacies uh, when you come up with an idea like KFC's got a food truck, let's just take it to the cricket. That's awesome, free chicken. And then you've got this massive list of everyone saying no. And, uh, you know, that actually took about two years of, of having conversations and, re-editing the brief so that, you know, uh, it spoke to the caterers in a way that the caterers could understand that it wasn't a threat and it spoke to the safety guys in a way that could see that we had all we had it all covered. And so for me, it's the inner workings behind the scenes that uh, makes, you know, sometimes a big activation is pretty pretty straightforward to get, get in and the smaller ones that have big impact take a lot more negotiation and, um, you, you know, you don't really kind of see that. Um, on the on on the outside, um, the second probably biggest thing for me over the last few years, and now also moving more specifically onto international cricket, is being able to work uh, with the you know in growing the WBBL and in um, 
you know, growing women's cricket and and celebrating this um, this great sport that we have and the impact that it makes on, on women and girls. And there's still so much to do. And um, I think part of me is a little bit, you know, disappointed. I've probably come in at a, at a moment where it's already on an upward trajectory. And, you know, I think back sort of even five or six or ten years and, you know, to when Belinda Clark was playing and, and all those, um, you know, players that playing purely for the passion of the game and all these obstacles that they had to endure. And I was like, what would it have been like to be able to p- contribute at that time and build, really build it? Um, but, you know, we're here and now and it, it's about now, uh, you know, contributing my piece to continue to grow that and accelerating that growth and, um, how do I take all the key learnings of, you know, my history and my skills and experience um, and apply it to, to women's cricket and, and continuing to build that? And not, not even just women's cricket, women's sport in general. Because uh, we've had these moments in the past where, you know, there's a big burst and everyone's like, yay, women's sport. And then everyone realised, oh, actually brands are too scared to invest in it. So kind of falls off a little bit again. And then we go, yeah, no, absolutely. Women should be, you know, playing sport and it should be on TV and in the media. And it's about sustaining that momentum. And I think there's a real opportunity for, you know, professionals, not not just me, even the likes of, of, of Ryan and, and you, Rubes, like there's a contribution we can all make to uh, building women's sport and women's cricket that, um, you know, gives us a, just a different offering because, it's so great to watch aside from the, the social impact. Um, you know, if you've been at the WBBL final the last couple of years and the semifinals, my goodness, um, you know, that's what, for me, the, the beauty of sport and what draws us all in. So it's, it's wonderful to hear how passionate you are about all that, Lena. And I'm glad you mentioned Belinda Clark. You can actually find an interview with Belinda Clark on the Sports Grab YouTube channel. <laughs> Is that in the um, original series you mentioned before it? <laughs> that's right. That's the right. Ori- the originals. Um, Always got his marketing marketing hat out, our Ruben. I love it. <laughs> sell, sell, sell. <laughs> Get just, to YouTube. Just on that, <laughs> you do have an opportunity to um, yeah, listen to. I haven't, but I will go back. Um, I find listening to Belinda Clark fascinating. She's amazing. Mm. Um, occasionally makes fun of me on the stairs in a lighthearted way, which I I just love. I was like, oh my gosh. Belinda Clark knows who I am. That's amazing. But she's a phenomenal athlete but also a, a really great leader and what she's been able to do uh, with community cricket, it's pretty phenomenal. So if you need a case study, uh, listeners, have a look at that one. Mm. And she's very concise with her words. So that episode's only 10 minutes long. If you've got a spare 10 minutes, you can find it on YouTube. <laughs> Unlike mine. Unlike mine, who's, uh, it's uh, getting a bit longer. Long in the tooth, are we? Okay. Noted. Well, We've got we've got one more question for you, <laughs> Len, <laughs> um, and that is if you could leave uh, young professionals who are looking to take their career forward within sport, what's one piece of advice that you would impart on them from your last twenty years, from different experiences all around the world? I think um, the the key things we've already we've already talked about. I think um, operate operate with integrity, absolutely really define who you are and, and what your values are, knowing that that will change and evolve, but make that start and that commitment to, to look inward and, um, you know, get clear and, and, uh, you know, really get a sense of who you are and, and who you want to be. Um, 
The other thing I'd say is don't lose yourself in your job. It's um, it's an amazing experience working in sport. And, you know, if we had another hour, I would, um, you know, I'd regale you with all the tales of, um, you know, standing on the sideline during my first MLS Cup and, and crying when the during the national anthem. Just be, I was just so overwhelmed to be there. And to this day, um, I try and get down to the fields at some point um, and just sit there and soak it up because it's a reminder for me of, you know, where I've come from and what I've done. I never want to take that for granted that um, I have the the privilege of, of being able to use my accreditation to get wherever I want. Um, so, you know, it's it's a passionate and awesome industry to be in, but it's really easy to lose yourself in it and um, it becomes all-consuming and you, all you do is talk to other sports industry people and you're just talking about cricket or you're just talking about soccer or whatever industry you're working in and it kind of narrows your focus and, um, you know, sometimes it, it stops us from speaking out or it stops us from impacting change because it becomes too comfortable. So, um, I, you know, in that process of defining who you are and and, and what your values are, um, that will help you be really clear and make sure that you just don't lose yourself in, in your job. The other one I'd say uh, is... I think I said it before too. Don't wait to don't wait for a title to be a leader. I don't know how that'll land with everyone. It'll land differently with every person. But um, I I may never be a CEO or I may ne- never uh, have a dramatic title. But I feel confident every night when I put my head on the pillow that I've given my all to my team. I've I've spoken up where I've needed to. I've stayed quiet where I've needed to. Probably not so often. Ryan will say. Um, but I, I've just demonstrated leadership in my empathy with my team and, um, you know, just being able to uh, work collectively in different ways. And, you know, leadership will mean different things to different people. Again, in defining who you are and defining what type of leader that you want to be, um, I just I strongly, uh, strongly, strongly advocate for uh, not waiting for a title to, to be a, a leader in your team, in your business and, and in your life. The, the one that keeps um, popping up for me just in terms of specifically to my career, but again, it happens in life as well, is um, just keep taking the next action. And it, it, that sounds kind of a bit, bit I, don't know, I don't know, blasé or a bit like oh, yeah, it's a bit of an easy call, but if you keep taking little actions uh, towards your goal, You'll, you'll, you will eventually get there. And, you know, that action might be just, you know, creating and um, recreating who you are and, um, you know, stopping and going back to your values. That's a key action because it'll, it'll re-pivot you or it'll refocus you. Like all those little actions, you know, inviting someone for a coffee, uh, working on your, your email uh, intro, e-intro to someone uh, to build your network, all those small actions uh, when you feel stuck or you feel unsure or you feel like you're not being heard or, you know, there's a hundred different examples, just stop and reboot and just see what that next small action is going to be and it will change the direction that you're going in. It will cause a disruption to your thinking and and open up new possibilities for you. And last one I promise is have fun and it's – we take it for granted. We think that working in sport is fun. And again, I can give you a hundred stories of, um, I shoveled snow one day before a game, um, in, in Texas of all places. Uh, I've been 
I've re uh, moved an entire activation out of a hurricane uh, indoors. Like it's not always glamorous, um, and you know, fun isn't always about free tickets and hospitality areas. Um, and fun is definitely not about having a lack of professionalism or being the clown or um, you know, letting yourself down in terms of you know who you are and your brand. But fun is really just getting the most out of every experiences, every experience and um, just enjoying it, not taking it for granted uh, and just, you know, without sounding like Marie Kondo, just find that joy in what you do. And if you're not, if you're not finding that joy and if you're not experiencing that fulfillment, that's again, just time to look within and, and re-pivot. Awesome, Lena. We'll, we'll have to wrap it up there. We, I think we, if we had another few hours, we could easily fill it. Um, no problem at all, but Thank you so much. You're obviously someone who I've uh, I've absolutely learned a lot from so far in my career. But I think any young professional who's looking to get into the industry can can all learn um, from your experiences. I love your points around networking, personal brand through integrity, and looking inward. And I think it's awesome to to have you on the podcast. We've been waiting a while to do this, so thanks so much for your time. Uh, it was my pleasure, and um, I think. You know, this is a really bold move um, from you from you guys. You know, two young professionals in the industry, um, just refocusing yourselves, and uh, you know, Ruben taking this opportunity uh, after the restructure at cricket. You should both be really proud of what you're creating here and, and what you're giving back. Um, and I hope that uh, it's uh, it continues to be a success, uh, and um, that you guys continue to to grow and learn in your own careers because you're you're definitely. Uh, wonderful human beings to work with. So uh, look forward to that continuing. And, and thanks so much for letting me waffle on for a little bit. It's very kind. Thank you. Thank you. We'll, we'll end it there. But thank you very much for listening. A reminder to, to please hit subscribe if you haven't already so you don't miss out on any episodes. Drop us a rating and leave us a review. It really does mean so much to us and helps us put together a great show for you with some sensational guests such as Lena. Thanks again for listening. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Sports Grad Podcast. If you need help with your sports career, head to sportsgrad.com.au and download our free ebook today. And if you've enjoyed the episode, please give us a tag on socials at Sports Grad. 